welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. Hello, we're here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm Zach Shahan, the CEO of Clean Technica, and we're joined today by Stuart Ungar, if I pronounce that right, Stuart Ungar or Stu, Stu. and he had he was a founder of Evolve Kentucky. Just told me it was just over seven years ago now, a nonprofit EV group in in Kentucky. Clearly, he's also the host of Stu's EV Universe, a fun podcast that, that I was on a few months ago. Very interesting. Uh, podcast and today we're gonna we'll talk a bit about both but i sort of want to focus on Stu's history of ev advocacy through evolve kentucky and sort of provide some tips and roadmaps and inspiration for others who might be interested now in getting involved in the kind of ev advocacy uh, and evangelism as we like to say uh, space so maybe Stu, you can uh, you prefer Stu or stewart either way is fine yeah I, Stu's I, fine. I, I, I assume Stu because of the podcast. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, yeah. So Stu, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the founding of Evolve Kentucky, or I, I don't know if you pronounce say it like that, or Evolve KY is how it's written. Yeah, but yeah, Evolve KY. Yeah, you know, again, a little over seven years ago, and uh, it, it was a whole different deal back then. We actually had to go to PlugShare to the map and kind of draw a big circle and see, you know, if we could find other EV owners. It was me and my Nissan Leaf and the co-founder of Evolve KY, John, met in his driveway, literally. And we were just kind of saying, you know, there's virtually no infrastructure here. And I think the seed of the group was to try to have a larger voice and see if we can get things done like infrastructure. The chargers were located at car dealers, which is less than ideal. So, you know, we had uh, so, that. So you yeah. had, you tried to have infrastructure week seven years ago. So you, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, this is a <laughs> politics joke, you know. No, exactly. Yeah, it, it was virtually nothing. And as EV drivers, we felt that that would be a, a real catalyst to, you know, move things forward. So we literally had at that first meeting, it was at a local coffee shop, I would say four or five people we were able to get. They were psyched about coming down because such a small group, you know, of EV owners at that time, virtually never saw another EV on the road here uh, in Louisville, Kentucky and, and surroundings. So we started these meet monthly meetings, got to meet the people, you know, established these relationships, checked out each other's cars and really kind of freaked out when we saw a new EV that we haven't seen before and we're all over it. So kind of seed of it was that raw enthusiasm. And as we kept doing stuff, you know, different people have their their different gifts and brought different things to the table. And you know, we tossed around a, a bunch of different names for the group. Some were really pretty bad. And we eventually settled on Evolve KY. And, and that's kind of been it for us. You know, we have evolved. Uh, we went from those four people in that coffee shop to uh, probably pushing about a thousand people on our 
you know, email list and, and Facebook and, you know, our presence out there in social media, you know, we have easily at our monthly meetings. Now they're on, on zoom for the time being probably go back to in-person and zoom like a hybrid thing in the spring, but easily have 30 to 40 people at each monthly meeting show up and tell us their stories, find out what's going on in the community and, and, you know, out, outreach has been a, a, a huge thing for us. So that's, that's a quite a, that's quite impressive showing. I mean, I would be, be lucky and also terrified to have a 30 person zoom call. That would be a lot of, uh, it's lot of weird. Work. I'm sure you, you have it down the, you know, how you manage that, but well, that, I mean, that is really impressive growth, especially, you know, if you think about Kentucky, it doesn't, it's not, it's not California or, or even you right. know, Florida, New York, it doesn't have a huge EV sales market. So could you tell us how you developed such a good following in Kentucky? Sort of what were maybe five key steps or, or, or decisions you made? Yeah, I, I think education, just like, you know, folks that are already in EV groups, education's key. You know, when we had those first meetings, we didn't even know what tabling was, you know, going out, having a table, having a display, having information to give out, showing our cars. And now, you know, that's, that's a huge, huge part of what we do, giving rides, letting folks drive our cars. It's all about getting out into the community. So that was a really big thing, that outreach, going back to the infrastructure, very fortunate that I hooked up with getting in contact with Kitty Adams from Adopted Charger early on, because I was looking for a way to get chargers out into the community. And she was just so generous of her time and, and knowledge and really answered all the tons of questions that I had for her. And we got that within a year, we got that first dual charger, level two dual charger in the ground, which I think is always the hardest one, the first one. And then if you fast forward to today, we have, uh, we just put in our 40th location for level two chargers, a total of about 90 chargers total throughout the state of Kentucky. We originally did a lot in Louisville, but our latest one, our number 40 is in Harlan, Kentucky, which is way out in Eastern Kentucky, coal country, you know, and that's kind of a personal, you know, a favorite of mine because it really shows that we're a statewide group that our our reach is is truly wide, and you know folks like it's sort of like it's a wonderful life you know I mean we put in a charger in Madison Indiana so we have chargers in Kentucky and Southern Indiana right now, and I stepped down as president of the group uh, and we have a new president uh, he's been a president actually for a little bit now uh, Daniel Monroe and. He saw the charger in Madison. That's where he is, you know, where he lives and saw our name on it, contacted us and became involved in the group and then eventually became president of the group. So, you know, these chargers out there are not only for these EV drivers to plug in, but it's also built in marketing. You know, it's showing that this is something that's happening in the community. So we just really try to be as visible as possible. And I really think it's paid off in a big way. So you've really decided that a, a large portion of the funding you receive would go into just EV infrastructure, putting up chargers. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, we do a lot with a little. We are we are a nonprofit, so in the very beginning, uh, we weren't a nonprofit. So we used the Electric Auto Association as an umbrella. They were absolutely wonderful, still are wonderful. Uh, we're still, you know, our all of our board members are members of EAA. So you know, that was a huge help. And then eventually, we just figured we're we're growing. You know, so we need to have our own books. We need to have you know set up a nonprofit and and go and get community support for these things you know the the chargers some places you know we have them at natural areas we have them at cafes we have them at restaurants we have them in farmers markets and centers of towns some folks will pony up the money and and do it because they realize this is something they should do and sometimes you know we will have to either help or or do the legwork as far as searching for funds so i really i really way, do I like it because, I mean, there's a lot of good education you can do, of course, but I've always, for for a long time, I've seen, like you said, EV chargers as a key marketing tool for for EV adoption, for EV awareness and adoption. And and, uh, I have a sort of, you know, pet peeve kind of, uh, or kind of very specific list of how I think EV chargers should be designed to, to maximize that specific point, you know, making people aware that EVs are out there, EV chargers are out there. And it's just seeing them all the time. The more you see right. something, the more you start to think about it. So, so I really like that, and I, I, th- I think it's fascinating too that you've you focused on making it a broad infrastructure network. Which uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about why you d- why you did that. Yeah, I mean, and that's interesting. The the word network because we actually, for the most part, we number all of our locations. Like I just said, you know, we have location 40. So we take a lot of pride in the fact that that we've worked hard on getting these chargers out into the community. And, and it leads to, for example, we have one in a YMCA and we, it, visibility is key. So when we first did our site visit, we go with, you know, a local commercial electrician to these site visits. And the easiest and most inexpensive way to do this YMCA was in the back near the dumpsters. And that's not what we wanted, you know? So we had a good relationship with the director there. And, you didn't want uh, to put it, you didn't want to put it next to the dumpster? <laughs> why, what's wrong with dumpsters? Why not? Yeah. What's, yeah, right. They probably had recycling yeah. there too. Right. So we had a good relationship with the director there and we found out that they, you know, maybe a year or so from then they were, doing a building project they were adding to their kid area, you know, and through keeping an open line of communication, we kind of built it into the scope of that project and we waited, you know, so we didn't get immediate gratification there. We waited and it was a year, year and a half or whatever later, but we got that in, we got that dual charger in, it overlooked a brand new elementary school. So when you plug in, these kids are on their little bikes or whatever, out tooling around the play yard, and they're seeing someone plugging in their car, you know, which is just uh, beyond words the first time you see that and they just point, you know. So that that works, that, that you know, is visible, it's visible from everyone at the Y. All of a sudden, they, they got people joining the Y because of their sustainable, you know, sustainability efforts. So it was a win-win People, I would notice, because that was the why I went to, all of a sudden you'd see temporary license plates, temporary tags on cars, brand new cars. And I'm not saying it was just because of 
that charging you know station but it could have been a catalyst it could have been what pushed somebody over oh i could work out and also charge oh it's um, funny funny yeah. as well that kids awareness of evs is sort of incredible like it still sort of blows my mind i mean of course tesla is the uh, like most of them know tesla very well right. and or at least are very excited about Tesla. Sometimes they have funny ideas about Teslas or, or like I've, I've discovered that sometimes they're like really into Tesla, but then they have really weird ideas about like that they heard somewhere or they, didn't, they don't fully, they don't know a lot sometimes, but, right. but more or less, they know a lot more than adults about EVs and, and Teslas. And even just uh, talking to Tesla sales staff in the store near me, they say that many times the kids will sell the car to the parents. Like they will, Oh yeah. They will bring their parents in and get them basically sell the car to them and get them in the car. So you might have a situation really of kids going to the Y and explaining everything to their parents and then their parents looking <laughs> into it and getting on board, you know? So it's really yeah. an interesting potential dynamic there. And it's interesting for me too. We, we lived in Poland uh, when my daughters were born and for a couple of years and, and uh, didn't have a car there, so didn't, didn't drive. Well, then did have a shared Tesla there. And then here, we've only driven electric. So it's been interesting trying to explain what gas cars versus electric cars are to, to kids who only have experience with electric cars, which is sort right. of interesting and funny. But but yeah, anyway, just I, I think that's a brilliant... I mean, the whole relationship you developed there is brilliant, but that that kid-parent dynamic is probably doing a lot of work on its own now which yeah and and the great thing about the that specific ymca was it was so successful and people were using it so much that almost exactly a year later they put in a second dual charger so there's four chargers there and we're finding that we're finding that like we did a, a first go round our first natural area that we installed a charger here was Bernheim Forest. It's just a wonderful place and we put in a dual charger. And this month we are putting in, we're doubling that. So they're going to have four chargers in that lot. And they're writing a grant for, again, like the kid play area parking lot for six chargers over there. So if everything works out, they're going from, a, you know, two chargers to 10. So we're finding that we're finding that as things are growing, people are realizing and, and hearing from people that this is, oh, I wasn't able to charge or, you know, that it's needed and they're seeing the good that it's doing and, and they want to do more. So it's, it's absolutely think, great. I think in general, pretty much anywhere you go, you are, if you have, if you, if you haven't had an EV there. Or even, I mean, well, if you've never looked at a plug share map of the area, you don't realize nearly how many chargers are in the area. So right. no matter where you are, even if you have an EV, when you, if you pull up, the first time you pull up plug share and look in the area, you're like probably surprised at how many stations are nearby. Because generally speaking, we don't see them and we, we don't realize how many are around and we assume there's not many around. So you, but also that kind of situation where you put a high visibility one in, you, then you at least give the opportunity for people to think, oh, there's chargers here. Maybe I'll see if there's others. You know, just seeing a high visibility one could all of a sudden make people look at the plug share map and realize how right. many are around. So it's like that that one can help in, in so many ways, especially if you have the kids, you know, highlighting it for the parents. <laughs> well, and that's, that's something we're running into now. You know, it's almost like we're in constant, you know, 
I hate to say problem solving mode, but yeah, you know, kind of growth and thinking about how we could do things better. And there's so many people now, it's a good problem to have that are new to the whole EV world. And they have no clue that there's something like PlugShare out there. And it's a source of frustration for people that get to a station and it's, they find it's in use. So we're, we're trying to think of creative ways to promote the, you know, the knowledge that PlugShare is out there. And it's a good resource for people to use, especially folks with Teslas that, you know, perhaps they do vast majority of their charging at home and they only use the superchargers when they're traveling. So they don't use destination chargers as much, but it's really it's super important with like a crowdsourced app like that to have it almost be a reflex, you know, that folks check in and it's just sort of kind of part of being courteous, you know? Yeah. Maybe so. we'll come back to maybe the, we'll come, we'll have to mark this and come back to uh, the sort of evolution of the EV driver community because it's had changed yeah. a lot in seven years, but I wanted yeah. to first just, so my initial idea was get you to explain sort of how you got this going, especially in a, non-California state, as I said, sort of to inspire others to perhaps start EV advocacy organizations and, and whatnot. But then you made, you know, one simple statement or get people to join. Right. And I, and I was like, oh, yeah, obviously, that's what I should be focused on, because actually, there's a lot of organizations that have been started across the country, maybe seven years ago, 10 years ago. And I think perhaps now the, the EV community is much larger, but people who didn't start those organizations maybe don't feel like they don't necessarily feel like they like that, that they're theirs or that they were part right. of that, that they're part of the group, whatever. And just in general, probably all of these organizations could do far more with a bit of an influx of, of, of active members. So maybe talk a little bit about, you know, the role people could prov- provide in, in sort of ramping up or in- increasing the effectiveness of organizations like yours across yeah. the country. Yeah. And, and I guess maybe this is a good time to point to, we, we crowdsourced a hour long documentary a few years back. I think it was about three years back called evolve driving a clean future in coal country. Information on getting to that is, is at the evolve website, which is evolveky.org. We did write about that on Clean Technica, and it was yeah, that's right. It was it was awesome. It was really interesting, yeah. really really fun. So we'll have to put it in the article. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I think that's a key is to have people look at something that you know. Again, going back to the the talents of our members then and now, we started doing things I never dreamed we'd be doing. We were part of parades, you know? So there's footage of us in like, you know, a parade. There's footage of installing a charger, you know, and in kind of, uh, you know, fast motion, but it's kind of funny. So it's, it's a film that kind of balances the nuts and bolts with, with fun, you know, and, and showing that even, you know, in a state like Kentucky, our efforts are not going unnoticed. You know, we're able to make a difference. There are, you know, whether it's the EV group or, you know, the coal mining museum in Eastern Kentucky with the solar panels on the roof, you know, there are things that are happening that are, you know, moving things forward. So, so that's, that's kind of important. And that was, that was a lot of work to do a a crowdsourced film. I, I don't know if I'd 
ever do that again, although we are talking about doing another one now. I don't know if that will happen or not, because there are interesting things happening in the state right now. But but that was something, you know, and that, and we got a lot of attention from that. Uh, yeah, you all were great with that. We, One of our uh, kind of little teaser uh, videos went viral, you know, which is wonderful. But that's the kind of thing where, you know, I think that can get people, you know, pumped up. You know, they, they see that what well, we know, you know, it's a community and we have like good people. We have a group where, which is so unusual for this day and time, you know, of, uh, I always call it our eclectic electric group. You know, we have people, yeah, for the most part, it's a pretty progressive group, but we accept everybody and we get everybody, you know, we have people that really are in this for uh, really diverse, you know, reasons. So that's great, you know, and everybody brings something to the table, you know. I'll just take a quick moment to remind any listeners, uh, if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And you can also support our work with just a few dollars a month on future.cleantechnica.com slash subscribe. Thank you, Stu, again, for being a guest. Absolutely. We 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 were just talking a minute ago about the evolving EV driver community, and this has been really fascinating to me. And I would say sort of it, it really, there was a clear starting point, I think, was when the Model 3 started really getting produced. And it, it sticks as a starting point for me specifically also because I remember being at a charging sta- station, a charge point station, and someone came up with the Model 3, one of the first I've seen here in Florida. And they were trying, they're fiddling with the state. They didn't know what to do at the station. And I realized they had no idea what charge point was talking to them for a moment or what to do, how to charge. And they must've had one of, I mean, they must've been in line early on the reservation day for the model three. So they were like involved enough that they were in line early morning for a model three. They were quite young but they had no awareness of charge point, which is like, you know, as someone in the EV world, this is like sort of mind blowing. Right. So it sort of was an eye opener that, oh, we're hitting a different, different community now. Like these are not people who know everything about EVs. These are people who may be a little bit outside of that, that world. And nowadays it's even much more so. I mean, nowadays you just meet so many people who just like, mostly they got a Tesla, but maybe they got a Volkswagen ID4, Ford Mustang right. Mach-E, uh, some other EV just because they heard it was a cool car or a good car and they don't really know a lot about EVs overall. Uh, so maybe you can talk a little bit about how you've had, how you've adjusted or evolved. Uh, look at that. How you've yeah. evolved uh, with the kind of changing market, the changing world of EV drivers. Yeah. It seems like a natural progression. I mean, obviously Tesla's doing so much in this space that it's kind of, almost obvious when you look at it from the outside that that's what's happening right now. You know, we're seeing a lot of members with brand new Teslas, Model 3s, Model Ys, less other, you know, makes and models. But the, the Maybe, great thing I mean, about- we can just, we can just be, yeah. fr- I mean, 70 to 80% of new EV sales in the US are Tesla. So we have this right. kind of warped, I mean, we have this market that's very heavy, Tesla dependent. Right. It's much different from Europe or China and right. not not trying to like, you know, say the others are not good, but there's obviously, it's just a different, it's a market that's heavily dominated by Teslas across the country. So 
Yeah. And, and we are here in Kentucky, we're seeing like you know, Facebook group, Teslas of Kentucky, you know, Central Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky. Some have been around for longer than others, but we're seeing very specific Tesla groups coming and that's great. You know, um, we are, you know, becoming a little bit like a Tesla group as well, just because of the sheer numbers. And I think that's something within our board and folks that have been involved in the group a little bit longer are conscious about and and we want to keep the focus on the fact that we're not a Tesla group, not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but we are an EV group and it, other manufacturers will catch up. The, you know, we are starting to see some folks with Mach-E's and, and different vehicles, you know, showing up at events. So I think that's kind of a te- temporary thing, you know. Yeah, and there's a lot of drama online sometimes about between what can say super fans of Tesla and others, and I it's I would say it's a loud minority, but so I, I don't I think it sort of warps how we talk and think about this sometimes. But I mean, if, like you said earlier, you used to be super excited to see new EVs. I'm sure you still are because I'm right. you know I'm still we're we're super excited whenever I see a new EV or if I just see. I mean, even if I see an i3, which I see maybe a few times a month, I'm like, oh, look, it's an i3. You know, we get exci- we get more excited than seeing a Model Y or Model 3 because you see them everywhere. They're all over the right. place here. So so you get excited to see an ID4, a Mustang Mach-E. I'm always like jumping on my seat in our Tesla when I see a non-Tesla yeah. EV. And I think most of the Tesla driving, com- well, I don't know. I don't know about the percentage, but I'd say for sure a lot of the Tesla driving community is the same, where they're just excited to see people get in EVs and sort of actually have a lot of fun exploring other EVs because, you know, it's always more interesting to look at what you don't have and what's interesting uh, on the other side. But yeah, I think it, it is a hard balance, though. How <laughs> you talk about EVs overall or, or Tesla versus other EVs, right? Yeah. And, and we're, you know, we are changing and evolving. I mean, some of our members that have been with us from pretty much the beginning will say when, you know, when they would first go out to these, you know, events where we would show our cars and take people on drives, perhaps, and give them information, really a lack of information. There wasn't a lot of knowledge with these folks big shift you know now it's people are aware for the most part and they're asking questions that you know kind of come from a you know a more knowledgeable spot you know so that's nice to see and we're finding that again with the group growing you know we're going out to car shows you know where maybe we'll be welcomed maybe we won't be welcomed you know some of these folks with you know, internal combustion engine cars and classic cars are really interested in what, what these EVs are and are doing. And they, they realize this is something that's happening right now. Some people want nothing to do with it. So I think it's valuable to kind of meet people where they're at, you know, and sometimes go out of your comfort zone, you know, which is what we're starting to do, you know, cause again, with so many more people, we did a, um, Let's see, there was uh, a uh, like a road rally kind of drive for awareness of like uh, family abuse, you know, and it was something that kind of came on our radar last minute. But one of our members is involved in this group in Indiana, and we had a handful of EVs out there. And 
So that kind of thing where we're going out and supporting a cause, you know, and listening to other people's stories. And then it's reciprocal. They're finding out about what we're passionate about and why we've gotten into the whole EV thing. You know, our president, Daniel, really approaches the whole EV thing from a there shouldn't be war, you know, that it's a peaceful thing. And that's something you don't hear very often, but it's super important. You know, a lot of people get into it because they want to save money. A lot of people, you know, some people get into it because they want to save the environment. The, but there's, the, there's a lot of kind of entry points, you know? Yeah, the anti-war, uh, the peace one, I feel like it, it used to be a much uh, bigger part of the conversation early when it was early days, sort of sm- much smaller group of of EV fans, and I guess more after oil wars had more recently been started, but that's an interesting, I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit more, but it is a... Yeah, yeah, and I, I, you know, I find like, again, you know, a little plug for my podcast, the Stu's EV Universe, Daniel Monroe was one of the folks that, you know, we have folks that are, you know, in this and have been this like for years and more of a national scope, but Daniel's someone local. And I felt strongly about having him on because he took basically some childhood trauma, some things that happened that were god awful, you know, when he was young, and he turned it into a passion, you know, to promote electric vehicles and, you know, be one of, if not the biggest EV evangelist in our group right now. He has a Tesla Model 3. He was one of the first ones around here to have one like everybody else waited for it, you know, and he has a log book in his car. And I think he's up to like 250 or 300 people that he's let drive his car, not just ride in his car, but drive his car. And, and you'll say, you know, drive it like you stole it. <laughs> you know, he's, he's not shy about it. He, he wants to convert people and show people and meet people where they're at, that this is something that is really beneficial you know, it's awesome. You know, something, we, yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, we, uh, we ha- haven't really done that here, but in Poland, we, we, we launched this Tesla shuttle business and we did a lot of test drives as well, where we let's just let people drive the model S we had. And I have to say as much as it's fun having an EV and everything, I, there's probably no, no experience in EV ownership that's more fun than letting someone drive your car while you watch them in the passenger seat. It's just like someone who's never driven an EV to experience that. It's just, it's a blast. So I'm sure he got a lot of joy out of that, but 250 is a lot, lot of people. That's awesome. (laughs) Luckily, I mean, I imagine there might've been some issues, but I'm happy to hear that it's gone well. And, but I'm sure once, once you've done it even once or twice, or, or just, if you think about it, you can, plan a good route for for a test drive often well yeah i mean i'll ask him about like wear and tear to his car and those kinds of things that you know he doesn't care you know it, it to him it's a larger mission you know i i recently had the pleasure paul scott you know was was on the podcast here evs and activism i was really excited about that you know and hearing about his story here's someone that had you know what very easily could have been a terminal illness, you know, and again, you know, you take something that's potentially like this horrible, horrible thing, and you just use that fuel to kind of push you forward and, and, you know, make it greater, you know, and 
work towards better things. So that's great. I mean, that kind of passion, you know, that's one of the reasons why I, I really like doing the podcast is I, I get to talk to folks that have that kind of passion. You know, I love talking to founders of things because, you know, it, it's just sort of baked in, you know, they just love what they're doing. They look forward to their jobs, you know, and, and it's all good, you know? Yeah. Well, let's, I think maybe one more topic. We, we've seen, I'm sure you've watched the EV market in Europe just, and just explode in the past couple of years. It's gone yes. from similar to the U S market, a couple percent market share to now about over 20% market share in several countries across the, the whole continent. It's going to be most definitely over 10% market share just for full electric vehicles and, and you know, 15% maybe plug-in plug in vehicles. The U.S. market, unfortunately, the challenge is that we have we don't have all of the things that sort of are, are making that happen in Europe. We don't have strong regulations. We don't have, you know, mandates or uh, incentives are pretty good on the, you know, demand side but there's not the automakers are not forced to try and then we have a much more challenging kind of dealer network actually even as we're having this podcast i'm having i'm seeing feedback coming about an article we had about a ford 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 has a problem right now they've got the mustang maki which is a very awesome car we had it for a week absolutely loved it but they don't have enough of them and dealers know that and they're marking up the vehicles ten thousand bucks or or so 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 there's a bit of a challenge with that and where do you, so the long story short, where do you see the U.S. market going in the next three to five years? What are you planning and thinking about? And what are your hopes for a more complete market with much more availability and of other EVs and not not so much markup fees and all that because of high demand versus low supply? What are your thoughts on, on that complicated mess of an intro I just gave you? Yeah, I, I think it's moving in the right direction. I think Perhaps in some ways, being here in Kentucky, we have a little bit of an advantage because places like you know California, where you're seeing Teslas all over the place, you might think, oh, you know, this is a done deal already. You know, we're we won we won this one. You know, but I, I think when I spoke to Chelsea Sexton, I think she said it was something like 13% is is the the point where you kind of feel like you're out of that early phase and you can kind of breathe a sigh of relief, you know, and Paul Scott, when I asked him about, you know, when EVs, when can we just kind of, you know, think that it's, it's, it's going to happen. He was saying, well, when they say, you know, basically are not producing ice vehicles anymore, you know, uh, I was like, whoa, that, that was, that was kind of a shocker to hear that, you know? So I think here in Kentucky, we, we still don't see a ton of EVs. So we, we are not taking things for granted. And I think that could be a lesson to kind of everybody out there that even though things in some areas might look good or better or even a lot better, we still need to kind of bring it, you know, because we're not there yet. And, and is, is your group very hopeful about co- coming several coming models? Are you sort of like, are you sort of hopeful and looking forward to the market expanding and diversifying much more? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially here in Kentucky, you hear, you know, a lot about trucks, you know, so there is a lot of buzz about, you know, the Ford F-150 Lightning and, you know, Ford's big announcement with, you know, the the battery plant and what Ford's going to be doing in Tennessee and Kentucky. I mean, that was sort of like a bomb went off here when that announcement was made, you know, in a good way, you know, 
the governor was right there and, you know, saying this is, you know, this is a humongous thing for Kentucky, the biggest thing for Kentucky ever. And, and it, you know, it's all great. It's all great. But again, I, I kind of think we, for the next, you know, I hate to say it, five to seven, 10 years, I don't know. I mean, I, I think we are going to be experiencing exponential growth, you know, things are happening behind the scenes, I'm sure, you know, as far as battery technology and, there are some bottlenecks right now, and hopefully those are short-term things, you know. It's almost like we can't have, like, good things for too long. <laughs> you know, we have to have some issues with batteries. and But I assume that's with any technology, you know. I think things are going to take off. But I do think that, at least in, in the relatively short term, we just have to be diligent. And we have to, it's a good thing. You know, uh, the EV community is absolutely wonderful. You know, and I think so many of us just get a ton of joy out of this. So we continue, you know, we continue to have parades. We continue to have events where we meet up with other people and, and share our love of, of this, you know. And, and then, you know, I mean, when we started seven years ago, a little over seven years ago, yeah, you know, oh, you know, five years, what's going to be like in five years, you know. So yeah. things have gotten a, a, like remarkably better, but we still have, you know, that road ahead. Yeah, well, the challenge is in the EV world, if you if you try to coast for a bit, the regenerative braking kicks in. <laughs> Absolutely. You can't right. coast. Yeah. No coasting allowed. No. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, that was yeah. just all out of the blue. So <laughs> so the I guess, you know, the whole podcast has been about this, but maybe you can just a few closing words on, unless you have some other topics you'd, you'd like to talk about that we haven't covered yet, could give a kind of, you know, elevator pitch to why anyone listening who should really join or start if they don't have one, uh, an EV advocacy uh, organization in their area, like, you know, maybe they've been thinking about it, maybe they haven't right. been thinking about it. But what's the big pitch to, to get involved? Yeah, I mean, one of my early podcasts was this uh, Spencer Roden, he's a 19 year old uh, college student from Arkansas. And, you know, I was just intrigued with his story. You know, here's someone, he, he started an electric auto association chapter. He convinced, like you were saying, you know, he convinced his parents pretty much to buy their Tesla model three. Here's a, a great kid, an overachiever. And, you know, that's what we need. We, we need these younger people. You know, you have kids, I have kids, they see us plugging in it, it, it is kind of a, a snowball that's going to be picking up speed, you know, but I, I think we you know it is a fun group, you know, and whether you want to spend a little bit of time or a lot of time, I, I know that all these groups are, are welcoming. I mean, what other kind of group is out there for, you know, no money. <laughs> They're just showing you these vehicles, like, you know, like, a car dealer on steroids, you know, at these events. And people are like, what are you trying to sell me? And, and we're like, we're not trying to sell you anything. I mean, if you want to buy one, that's great. But we want to show you how much better these are. You know, it's a car, but it's a better car. And, and you know, because of the climate, you know, because of so many things, you know, it, it's better. And, you know, we just have to kind of continue. We have to continue moving in that direction. One tip I try to keep in mind, David Havasi lives near me. He, he worked at Tesla for seven years, 2012, 2019. 
now he's happily retired on his Tesla stock quite young yeah. because uh, he got in early and just held it. A lot of people yep. he worked with early on, they, they saw it rise and they sold it. And right. he was just like, I'm holding for life. This is amazing. You know, he's like on the ride. But he, I, honestly, I'm not sure if I've ever met a better sale, Tesla or EV salesperson. And the interesting thing, he, he said he would always start off by asking people what they care about, what they're interested in, what they were looking for in a car. And basically whatever someone brings up as their their main interest you can you can explain why an ev i mean in, in his case specifically tesla yeah. but pretty much any ev you can explain why it's so good for safety tech, oh, yeah. performance air pollution space there's there's just so many ways you can sell it so it's sort of a good thing to like start with where what someone is focused on or, or thinking about of course fuel economy and that kind of thing well this has been really did you have something there to add well, yeah, and I think I just had Emily Miller Rebel Rally on, you know, and it's not out yet, but on the podcast. And, you know, so many people have started these things. You know, she didn't start this, you know, rally with EVs in mind, you know, but they've slowly come in. And, you know, these are people that maybe have a love of vehicles, you know. And I, I think for people to have open minds, it's very, you know, it's right there. They're going to see why these vehicles have are better, you know, and the benefits and that it's quiet and that it's, you know, offering this experience. She at one point talked about how it was surreal to be driving the Rivian through the sand and hearing the sand where, you know, with a car that with a, a roaring engine you don't have that experience. So it's really kind of a, it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's something that elevates driving, you know, and, and it makes it better. And I, I have a hard time believing that something that makes something like, you know, driving better won't win, you know? So uh, it's a, you know, it's an exciting time. We're, we're getting to a point where folks that this wasn't on their radar, it's on their radar now. You know, and that's absolutely wonderful to see. It's a totally different world than seven years ago. Seven years ago. Or, <laughs> uh, I think I started covering EVs nine years ago. You, I, I'm sure you were interested long before that. We've talked about your, yeah. uh, but but it's just, I mean, even if you look every year along the path, it's totally different than a year before, yeah. pretty much. But I guess one, well, I know we're ending, but one more, one, one thing you know, every, everyone who comes up to you who sort of is a little curious about EVs, pretty much always the question is, how, how long does it take to charge? How far can you drive? And yeah, I'm sure you've answered that question. You can answer that in your sleep, literally, probably now someone asks you while you're sleeping, you'd start re right. responding. So what, I mean, what's what's kind of the what's your kind of best? What how, how do you how do you answer that? And how do you find and do you find that question changing or it's the same the same uh consistently yeah it's the same and that's actually something that chelsea sexton and i kind of went back and forth about is kind of the frustration of of people that are new and the fact that everybody thinks things need to be faster and more range you know you can never have you know enough range and I always go back when I have someone, you know, at, that's kind of considering an EV, I go back to 
when I first was considering, you know, and I have a 2011 Nissan Leaf and most people, not everybody, but most people have a pretty set routine. Most people don't commute. Their commute isn't very long, you know, maybe I don't know what it is, 25 to 35, something like that miles, probably even less now with COVID. So I always say, you know, why don't you look at that and see what your needs are, you know, and then you can build around that. I, I find so many people just kind of dismissing the whole EV thing because they think they can't afford it because of the impression of like, oh, Teslas are a $100,000 car and I can't afford a new Tesla. So I just, I'm not even considering this thing. But they don't think about the used EV market, which is pretty robust right now, whether it's a Tesla or a Nissan or a Chevy or whatever. And a lot of people can deal with, you know, going around town in a Chevy Spark or a Nissan Leaf or, you know, Fiat that's electric and be fine. And for those, you know, one or two times a year that they need to take a trip, they rent a car. And now they can rent a car that's a Tesla, <laughs> you know, or soon, you know, and enjoy a brand new car. So it's just a different way of thinking. And I, I think a lot of people, if more people knew about that, you know, we'd be much better off, you know, uh, they'd be better off because they're saving money you know, and, and doing better for the environment and all that good stuff. It's just a matter of getting the word out. Yeah. I think I asked you that because it's kind of frustration of mine as well that, you know, you can't really express, you have to find a way around it. But I mean, my, my response is typically, I, I don't know how long it takes to charge. I don't really pay attention. I just plug right. in when, when I'm at the, I mean, at the store or at home now, I mean, for a while we had a 2015 BMW i3, Rex, so it had seventy-one yeah. miles of electric range, and then the gas the the, the gas extender was useful because you always had the security of it's there. But I almost never used it at all. Like I, sp I spent five dollars in nine months, and probably most of that was because it had to refresh the engine every once in a while. But you know, I saw seventy miles. That's that covers pretty much all the driving. Oh yeah. And, uh, and I, I mean, I came at it for, for years, years ago, sort of, you know, I was advocate for biking. So I, I was very familiar with those, you know, uh, people typically drive 25 to 40 miles a day. I mean, I mean, it's just the, the, the figures, I mean, the figures are really small. Most commutes are a few miles. So most driving can just be done in a very small circle around your, your home. Well, so it's yeah. very easy to, even, if you have a second car to have a, even a like you said, a 2011 Nissan Leaf would, would often work as a second car for everything right. a second car is used for. And we're a single family house with a standard range Model 3. I mean, single car house. And I just, I could not, I could not, I couldn't imagine wanting to buy a longer range. Yeah. I was just like, why would I spend more when this completely covers what I need? And now we have home charging. And again, we just use the normal 120 volt electricity outlet because I don't see any need for something more. So, I mean, yeah, sure. I could have a faster one, but why? Like it doesn't really, I mean, I don't really need it. So I think there's, there's way too much expectation of how much range and how much charging you need. Exactly what you said. Yeah. And it's always an interesting well, thing how I, you get around. If I know that someone has access to home charging, sometimes I'll tell them it takes five seconds to charge because you plug it in at night which is five seconds. And in the morning you, you're full, 
or, you know, you have enough to go through your day. So maybe I'm being a little, you know, flippant about it, but it's true. You know, it's like plugging your phone in at night and in the morning, you know, you're all set. So yeah, I mean, the joys of not going to the gas station, it's, it's, you know, that's something that I think most of us can agree on, you know? Yeah. One of the, I mean, I've, I've for a long time thought one of the two biggest selling points, and this came from a reader, so I give whoever that was credit, but is the convenience, yeah. you know, and, and we just, uh, people really have, it totally flips the idea of what EV life is like when you tell someone convenience is a big benefit because it's, they assume the opposite or that you don't really right. have to think about charging at all, less than going to the gas station. Uh, our daughter's tennis coach just got one and he I was talking to to him about it. He got his Tesla Model 3 standard range and he was lighting up a bit about how happy he was not, like, not to have to go to the gas station anymore and yeah. just plug in at home. And so it's sort of like you have to completely flip like 180 degrees what people are thinking when they think about EVs. So it must always be fun when you do that with, with someone as an advocate and you see that kind of light bulb switch when you have actually time to talk to someone a bit about that and, and see that, that, that mental, that, that thing happen with, with people's perceptions. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Stu. Really fascinating what you've been doing. And I really would highly recommend your podcast, which is, very interesting to to anyone listening our podcast of course one more time if you're a fan of clean tech talk please subscribe on your favorite podcasting network spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher there's all kinds of one we're on 11 networks out there leave a review a review helps a lot especially on uh, some of these larger networks helps us to get more visibility and subscribe to future.cleantechnica.com slash subscribe if you want to help us with a few bucks a month to support all of our work thank you so much and thank you Stuart. and any final you can give a final pitch of your own about uh where people can find you and help support what you're doing yeah yeah no thank you so much yeah for evolve ky it's evolveky.org and you can find out it's a newly designed redesigned uh, website and we have a lot of information on our group if you're in the kentucky area and my podcast i have a lot of fun with that i have some wonderful people on that have been very generous with their time at Stu's ev universe uh, also on apple podcasts and and all the major podcasts uh platforms so uh thank you so much this has been a pleasure zach i really appreciate it thanks a lot Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Walk, 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 walk,